Hello, hello. Welcome to Pilled, where you can join the masses of crypto pill degens. And if you're not one of them, well, just you wait. I'm your host, Anisha Sukarneni, and this is Pilled. Hi, Rafa. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming on. I'd love to just start by getting you to introduce yourself for the audience. Absolutely. My name is Rafa. I go by Rafa the Builder on Twitter, and I am currently the DAO lead at Mirror.xyz. Amazing. And my first question to everyone who comes on is, because we are unpilled, how did you first get crypto pilled? What made you want to jump into the Web3 crypto ecosystem? This is where I want to spend a lot of my time. It was, it's interesting. I think, I think for me, it was a fairly slow transition. So there are three different components that came to a head. I was working in HR tech beforehand and working in organizations. What is HR tech? It's like software for hiring, for headcount planning, for yeah, your human resources information system type of thing. Amazing. Thank you. And I was working on that and I had been studying organization design my entire life. And I started studying online communities and I started reading a little bit about how creators were doing stuff on Instagram and on YouTube and the creator economy and the passion economy. And then I realized that Naturally, if we have all these individual creators, we'll start seeing collaborations across of them. And so I was asking the question, what's going to happen? How are people going to collaborate? And so it turns out that as I researched that question, I ran headfirst to crypto, not because I was looking for it, but because of the functionality and utility that, that kind of came and allowed people to collaborate together in a more trustless way. Yeah, absolutely. Was there like tipping point where you were like, okay, I've been exploring this for a bit. I initially started exploring this as a solution for some of the issues that I've been seeing propping up and I'm definitely inclined to explore it further. But was there ever a tipping point where you're like, all right, I'm in? So I think part of it, what happened was I was working in Puerto Rico and I'm doing this nonprofit helping promote artisans online. And I was holding this entire gallery of artisans and micro documentaries. I realized that every time I was uploading content onto a platform, I lost control over the content. And I was like, this seems insane to me that I pour my hard work into this. And then I just hand it over to a different environment and they own it in perpetuity and have control over it. They can turn it on and off regardless of what I think. And... When I started seeing people online and thinking about the permanence and the provenance component of the blockchain, I immediately saw it. When people started talking about NFTs, I wasn't thinking about speculation. I was thinking about, oh man, this would be a way that I can host my information independently for broad access to people, have cultural provenance of the work that I'm doing and not have any platform control the access to it. Well, there are a couple moments there that came in quite in rapid succession. But that, that specifically, I remember reading one of Vitalik's essays, for example, on legitimacy. And mm-hmm. I remember saying, yes, this is a big part of it. Yeah, no. So it was definitely from the creator lens. And I love that because you were both a creator and now you're working 
very deeply in the ecosystem. And I know you spend a lot of your time thinking about DAOs and the future of them and how to navigate the current systems of DAOs. So would you share a little more about what exactly you do within the context of MirrorDAO? Absolutely. So I, once I started seeing this and I started understanding a bit of the intersection of the creator economy and like Chartech, I was saying, okay, so if this is a future for individual creators, this is probably going to be the future for also employees or workers or people who just want to craft. And I have this big belief. I think that in a perfect world, we'd all be artisans. We would all be crafting what we would want to craft, whether that's writing or whether that's like sculpting. I think that's what we want to do. We want to express ourselves in the art that we create. Mm -hmm. And so I started asking myself, okay, how can you use these technologies to actually redefine the relationship between work and human. And that led to a lot of different types of writing that, that I've done in the past and exploring DAOs almost from a research perspective. And so most recently I joined Mirror as the DAO lead. And the goal there, my personal objective is to understand, to uncover a good design process for designing a good, well-functioning DAO that works well within the Web3 ecosystems for creators which are publishing on Mirror specifically. So taking a step back, my job is to activate the community, but then really help that community get regenerative agency. So being autonomous themselves and being able to be sustainable, become decentralized so that it's not necessarily controlled by any specific entity, but you have the ability of different sub pockets to be able to execute. And then finally, move into automation and that you know the dream here is to automate the core as vitalik would say in, in one of his articles so that humans can focus on the creative work that they do instead of just operational processes absolutely even at a broader level i'm obsessed with the idea of automating any kind of logistical operational components so long as you're not losing out on the effectiveness of what you're trying to do. So that way you really can use your brain power on the more creative. And we all only have a limited amount of like bandwidth, time, and brain power. So I love the way that you're thinking about it. And I know you've also been doing a lot of thinking about just the DAO ecosystem at large and kind of the way that we categorize different DAOs right now. We see there are social DAOs, there are investment DAOs, there are writing DAOs, there are DAOs that have been spun up as clubs or to specifically raise money for a certain cause. And I know you have some thoughts about the segmentation of DAOs and maybe a different lens through which we can view it. So would love to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, I think the natural inclination that we have is to classify DAOs based on maybe the output that they have or the type of work that's done. I think that's one way to categorize them. But one of the things that I'm kind of realizing is that a different lens to, to look at DAOs actually has to do with the initial center of gravity. And what I mean by that is you can have a center of gravity around a person. You can have a center of gravity around a song. You can have it around a digital asset. You can have it around a specific mission or movement. And that has to do a little bit less with the thing itself. So you could have social DAOs, which are have a center of gravity of a person or a digital asset, or you can have a, an NFT collector DAO, which has a center of gravity around a specific digital asset, let's say Board Ape Yacht Collective, or around a specific movement or belief, right? So that center of gravity at the seed stage, I think functions as a very strong differentiator. 
I think that's like super important to consider. I actually put out a piece about some different things to consider when constructing a DAO, and I made a moniker of calling it the minimum viable DAO. And the first thing that I asked everyone to consider is what is their North Star for a DAO? And I think it's a little bit different than this center of gravity, but I think it's pretty aligned. I asked everyone to kind of think like, what is the purpose of existing for your DAO? And that unifying factor is what should help guide your decisions both at the inception of the DAO, but later on as well. Yeah. And what's kind of cool about this is like, you take friends with benefits, right? And friends with benefits for me is a DAO that is focused on a specific movement or a specific belief, at least right now. And at any point in kind of the maturity model of a DAO, you can understand where the center of gravity sits and then what you want to do with that. So you can reinvest into that center of gravity and like almost centralize your weight in that. Um, or you can also disperse it or shift your center of gravity to a different location. Now, for example, let's say a couple artists get together, a very famous artist, let's say Dom, and they draw an NFT project. And everybody scrambles to go get the NFT project. At that exact moment in time, the center of gravity of what the community can become is actually the artist, the person in of itself. Now, if the art is very powerful, then as people create derivatives of the art, then maybe the center of gravity shifts from the artist to essentially the asset that people hold. And what's kind of cool about that is that you can also move that. So maybe you create art, but you create a new piece of software or a central product which uses that art. Now your center of gravity has shifted from the art itself to a product, and maybe that product works, works with multiple pieces of art. Yeah I, yeah, I think it's important to recognize that the center of gravity can shift and evolve over time because as structures of organization of people and people change over time, as well as the actions and you know, movements that we create also change over time. So I, I think that's a fantastic way to think about it. Yeah. One of the things that really came to mind, though, when you know I was reading your article on the Minimum Viable DAO is like when you choose that North Star, there's also some basic work that you can to decide how you're going to progress towards it. And I think we don't, we're focusing a lot of time figuring out direction, but I'm starting to realize, or at least I'm reflecting recently on the importance of choosing how you want to move towards that North Star. What do you think is important about that? Well, you could, for example, invest a lot in automation at the beginning. So you could try to figure out what your perfect for stack looks at the beginning. I'm not saying you'd get it right, but even if you did get it right, you could do that first. Right. Versus you could talk about community decentralization first. They're not mutually exclusive. So what you prioritize where you invest your energy first changes drastically the way that your community evolves and the priorities that they put together. Yeah. If we were to give an example of like DAO, let's say we're like getting a DAO, right? From the beginning, from scratch and how it would play out if we initially considered community first versus automation first. And then maybe even a third thing might be like what ends up happening and is it even feasible to do like two things in parallel if you had two priorities, right? Yeah. And you didn't want to use one over the other. Three yeah. easy ones to consider are community, decentralization, and automation. So if you were to focus first on, let's say, broad umbrella term community, you'd likely be focusing on one-on-one -on -one relationships with people. You wouldn't be worrying too much about whether you're centralized or not. You'd just be making sure that the right cultural values are in place, 
that you're creating strong ties between members, um, that you're maybe doing a lot of, you do community events, you'd essentially be focusing on relationship development. And when someone said, well, your DAO isn't a DAO because it's not decentralized and whatever, automated or autonomous, you'd be like, we'll get there, maybe next year. Now, versus you could talk about decentralization as a big priority. And in that case, maybe you don't prioritize too much defining a central core pillar of values and culture or even a single North Star, but you create operational infrastructure that allows a lot of different pods to emerge and then to align themselves together. And in that case, you're doing a very different type of protocol, you know, you're maybe standing up different teams and then helping those teams be able to work independently, but also arrive to some soft consensus in terms of how they're both uncovering a mission and then pursuing it. And in that situation, I imagine that the community and the vibe of that community will emerge over time rather than initially at the onset, because what you're prioritizing initially is actually setting up that infrastructure. So that's really interesting. I guess that begs the question, are certain categories, I don't know if I want to call them categories, but if I call them categories of DAOs. Approaches, we can call them. Approaches, if, (laughs) are certain approaches to DAOs more, more likely to be successful with optimizing for a certain thing? And when I say that, for example, investment DAOs, Maybe for investment DAOs, it's important to first stand up that infrastructure and identify if there are automating options or functions, then initially creating that cult that the DAO identifies with. But, you know, other DAOs that are more focused on creating a social movement, for those, I imagine that it would be important to optimize first for structuring that community aspect and that vibe and that culture rather than the infrastructural elements. How do you feel about that? I think this comes to, to the next question, which is why why do you want this down in the first place? Because yeah. there, there there are certain ones which you might want to lean more heavily into kind of like a software component versus there may be others that the real driver is actually the human connection. Oh, yeah, 100%. So I guess what I'm saying is it kind of depends what the intention of the DAO is to begin with. I think I'm biased. I think if it were up to me, I can't really convince myself too strongly to do anything besides community first. And that's either at a small team level, so really getting strong cohesion between the initial genesis members of the DAO or even at scale. So getting cohesion between the first, let's say, 25 to 50 members of the community. Now, the reason why I say that is because over the long term, the objective is to be able to agree on how governance works. And I see governance as a lagging indicator of cultural context. So if you try to structure your processes before you structure your culture, you might actually instill processes which define a culture that doesn't align necessarily with your mission or the people that you want to participate. So the, I guess I'm biased, but I can definitely see a situation where if 
the technology is easily accessible enough and it's easy to manipulate, then maybe you do want to start with a strong core of decentralization, then look for cultural definition and maybe not do culture or the community component first. In the end, you're I guess your decision is part of the culture decision, but. Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts around trying to do them in parallel? Do you think there is a version of that that can be feasible or upon first glance, does that sound a recipe for disaster? I think there's a trade-off here between your, between the amount of agents or people that are participating and then how much you're doing in parallel. So if you have a smaller team and a lot of resources, so either that be money, coins, or knowledge, then I think you can do culture and your decentralization infrastructure quite early and quite fast. But if you have limited resources or you have too many people, then it's almost like how much resources per person do you have and the amount of focus that you have. And that's kind of the trade-off. Similar to any traditional organization where you're like, should we set up the HR processes when we have 5, 10, or 25 people? And it, it kind of depends because if you're following an exact playbook, then maybe you can set up your HR process on day one because you know exactly the type of company that you're going to build. I think that makes a ton of sense. One of the things I talked about in my article, which at this point, maybe I'll just run through it really quickly, is like the logistical aspect of it, right? What is the bandwidth of each and every individual member? And then collectively, what is the bandwidth of the team that's like popping things up initially? I cast people to think about what their North Star is and then identify whether in order to accomplish that North Star, um, whether the structure of people and the organization of people had to be centralized or not. I see situations in which people are trying to set up DAOs, but for their mission, it's near impossible to have a decentralized option. And in that case, that's totally fine. They can still accomplish their mission, just not through the structure of a DAO. And I think that's important to identify early on. And then the three more broader categories that I thought was important for people to think about was their narrative, which I think feeds into what is their culture and their community and their vibe and their vision and the logistical operational things, because I don't think you can push those to the side. And part of that means how much bandwidth, how many people are there, what can get done, and that can impact the timeline. And the last thing I thought was important to just at least consider is what is the tentative expected lifespan of a DAO? Is this DAO meant to exist for six months? Is it going to be a seasonal cohort thing? Is it meant to like last forever? And as initial members, if it is going to last for eternity, are you going to be with it through eternity? Or how is that going to work? Um, Because I think that can influence early decisions as well. So I think that's all very exciting to think about as people prop up or consider creating new DAOs. And To your point earlier about being biased towards building the community first, I think at a broader scale within Web3, different communities, whether within the context of DAOs or different products or fan bases for NFT projects, you see a lot of communities being propped up. And I think we have this role of community manager or various similar umbrella title that is not something that I've heard or seen of as much within the Web3 to world. And I think it's very important. And I think that community management plays an incredibly important role 
in Web3 at large. And I think even with the highly technical projects and protocols and with all the innovation that's out there, it's important to not neglect the community aspect, whether it's for a fund or a project or a protocol or an NFT drop. And we're seeing this pattern, I think, of community first building. In some instances, the community is built alongside the product. The community even weighs into what that final product looks like. Sometimes it's like one before the other, but there's a lot of like even community building prior to like product execution. And I wanted to, you know, I understand you're biased, but I wanted to understand why you think that's important and what the benefit of having that community first mindset is for the future of the product and the vision and everything, right? What does that bring to the table? Why do we care about that so much? I think for me, I've spent some time doing in real life community building. And I guess I know, I personally know how it feels to actually feel a sense of belonging. And I think I'm chasing that. And I think that if I encourage everyone to build community first, and I think more people can have the same experience that I've had in the past of actually feeling that safe sense of security and acceptance, whether it be digitally or in person. And so I think there's a selfish component of sorts, which is I value that above the efficiency or the execution process and the valuation of a DAO. And I think that in a way, I think it's just better in general for us to take a humanist approach to these new institutions and prioritize that human aspect above all else, instead of trying to seek a human aspect after, you know, searching for maybe efficiency or cost effectiveness or profit maximization in, in a sense. I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. If you're listening to the podcast, this is a, definitely a false binary, but I think personally that's from where it comes from. Now, as you were speaking though, I just wanted to point in, there is a place where I do think that you would want to build infrastructure before culture. And I think that would be if you had a very targeted objective DAO, you're like, we're going to achieve this. And so maybe community building is not a necessity per se, you need participation. So you don't need interdependent relationships between the participants. You just need coordination in a raw form. I can see that actually happening. Let's say you need some sort of activism to be able to execute something. In that case, you don't necessarily need community cohesion, at least interpersonally. You just need strong level of coordination mechanisms in place. And I think in that case, yeah, for collective coordination, then an immediate objective. So I I think that's possibly one scenario where you would bypass a significant amount. But the whole point is that you would need a heavy centralized center of gravity on a single focused objective. Whereas the reason you don't need community building is because you actually are not looking for ambiguity navigation. You're looking for pure coordination with a specific direction really clearly in place. 100%. I think that's an important scenario to point out because it's absolutely a valid use case that exists. And I think it's important to think of that in that context. The community building interpersonally is not necessarily going to be as much of a priority as optimizing for that collective coordination and participation. And then back to your point about community building, I 100% empathize with need for or 
Yeah, I guess I'd say like greater need for people to feel they belong somewhere and to optimize for that. And I do genuinely think that it can have downstream and like effects that are tangible too, not just, oh, I'm so happy, rainbows and sunshine, people feel like belong. I think that when people do feel like belong, they are also going to be like more motivated to contribute and provide value and get value. And that can result in just stronger products, stronger visions on stronger execution down the line, even if it's not a one-to-one direct correlation. I really like the metaphor of the center of gravity that you mentioned as you were talking just now. Centers of gravity can have different weights and different depths. And I think I love that metaphor because sometimes that center of gravity and that example you just outlined, if it's like an activism approach type of DAO, that center of gravity might be like much smaller, just like surface area, but it might have a lot of depth and weight to it because it's just so, so exact. And you kind of use that to align the community at large. And I think maybe more social, cultural movement type DAOs have a broader surface area and there's like more room to play around. And in those situations, the interpersonal relationships within the community are more important and come more into play. So just as a metaphor, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I think taking a step forward is that the DAO in this, if we think about this small, heavy black hole type of very deep work, which is creating alignment between the participants, what might be obvious or maybe not is that after that objective is achieved, if it is achieved, the DAO has a very low likelihood of surviving in its current form. Agreed. So I think I would say two points to that. One, does that center of gravity evolve? Does that change? And then the second thing, why I think it's important to sometimes consider the lifespan of expected lifespan of a DAO, if that center of gravity or that North Star, the purpose to exist, ceases, then it's really important for the community to be able to take that collective action of, hey, do we shift the center of gravity and do we make a choice collectively to do so? Or do we acknowledge that we've accomplished what we wanted to for this DAO and maybe it's time to shut things down? Yeah. And over the long term, then I'm using this term recently about awareness. And so I think DAOs, the ones that exist beyond a single objective, so have iterative objective, definition, alignment, and achievement, have something that's called awareness. So they are aware of an objective and they're aware of how to redefine the objective if needed. So within the context of longer term DAOs, which are not focused on a single objective, but maybe over longer periods of time. What a community enables, so why you invest as community, is to create awareness so that the community can both know the objective, why it exists, and how to change it based on the context of the community needs. So in a utopian environment, the community can decide whether they want a small surface area, heavy weight, strong piece of gravity, which directs everyone into it, and say, we are now focused on this and we have self-created this like very weight that is driving all of us forward. And within the speed and weight of that movement, that is that gravity that is pulling them, they can also say this objective no longer serves us. We would like to shift the weight or maybe remove the weight or maybe create a different weight in a different location to drive us into a different direction. And so this awareness component is in a business it's very difficult for employees to manage and influence the gravity of the entity that they're a part of. 100%. And 
the clearer the strategy is, the stronger and clear the center of gravity is. So clear strategy, clear directionality in terms of gravity. Employees don't have a choice, right? When you are an employee in the Web2 world and you join a company, you just, you're like, okay, I'm joining this company and this is the company's vision. I have no play in that. So I'm obsessed with this of kind of the creation of awareness when the community is being built. And I think that's really important. Yeah. So I love that. But it only makes sense if you if you actually want it to make sense. In some cases, 100%. you don't you can have awareness without the option of participation. Um, I think that's totally okay that there's a specific function and time and place for that. But I think where the innovation is when you're creating entities which are self-aware and can pivot or decentralized, right? So where the innovation comes in is the ability to exit, to fork, and to enter at different places. So you can. A, have transparency in terms of what the center of gravity is, B, decide to participate, and C, decide to change. And in a traditional organization, this is going back to why am I pilled. In a traditional organization, you actually, you have the option to join in most cases, right? I decide to join an organization. But you don't have, A, often the awareness of the center of gravity that they're pursuing. Sometimes you don't. And B, you most of the time don't have much of an opportunity to change the center of gravity or to fork. And once you're in it, actually, there, there is a sense in the worst cases of coercion to participate towards the center of gravity, that even if you don't agree with it. As in the best of cases, yes, there is participation, but most of the time it's like, if you don't agree, then you can head out and that's okay. If you're very senior, you may have a voice in terms of shifting the strategy, although that may take a long point in time. So the DAO innovation to me comes with the opportunity to voice and mobilize community resources to double down on the objective that you've put in place or change it. And that's where I think the magic is. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think that makes so much sense. I love the concept of just at a very high level, DAO with self-awareness that, you know, has a center of gravity. And I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today about all of that. The last question I will leave everyone with is, if you could pill us on something that was not DAO related at all, what would it be? Anything in the world? I think everybody should practice a lot of analogy. You should really strive to make analogies and to view the world through different metaphorical lenses. We've been talking about gravity as a metaphor for DAOs. I love cross-disciplinary metaphors, and I encourage everyone to apply them to all sorts of decisions and situations in life. Now, the reason for that is there's a couple of different books on this, but the main reason is that metaphors give you one specific perspective into a situation. And by applying different metaphors, it's like walking around a situation and seeing different perspectives. And so if I go to a community and I think about it as a community, as a learning brain, then I might think about educational programs and I might think about how we learn. But if I use a metaphor and think about it as a machine, then I might find ways to think about efficiency or where we're necessarily wasting resources or where we have opportunities for maintenance, right? Or where stuff is broken. If I think about a community as a political monster or entity, I might think about power dynamics and power structures. None of them are true by themselves, or maybe all of them are a little bit true, 
But by using the different metaphors, you can see a more different perspectives that might get you to a broader truth of how your community is functioning or how the world is functioning. So I encourage everyone to just apply different metaphors. And if you want a list, I'll give you a list. You think about it as force of, force of nature, brain, machine, political entity. You can start with those four and everything seems so much more fun in my opinion. I love that. I love it. I love LLs and analogies. What is, I know I said that was your last question, but I have to ask now, what's like an analogy that you've made recently or heard that you're like proud of? Really? I think the gravity one is a mo- is one of the more recent ones. Okay, but that's like cop out. That one was really good. <laughs> one, that, um, one that you haven't shared yet. So okay. my favorite analogy so far is one that I'm still learning how to do is seeing human cooperation as forces of nature. So what I mean by that is seeing them as neutral actors and like waves crashing on the shore. You don't say whether that's good or bad, but they do have tempos and rhythms and they have influences from other entities that participate with them. And I think that looking at ourselves as part of nature and part of bigger holistic systems is really beneficial. It's humbling for ourselves, I think, in a way, because we see ourselves as being part of a larger ecosystem. But it's also empowering because it gives us the ability to maybe be a bit more compassionate with the work that we do instead of thinking about accusations or opportunities or profit and more thinking about ourselves as simply people who are part of nature and want to connect. Yeah, I appreciate that so much. Thank you for sharing that as well as all of your other thoughts with us today. I guess what I'll leave readers with or the audience with is where can they find you if they want to find you? The best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm Alpha the Build. I'm also on Discord at the Mirror Discord and then a couple other ones, but definitely find me there. That sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you.